we are gathered here in this place not to be cavalier or to make a statement, but we're here to worship God together. Um, So if you're here or if you're listening somewhere else, I pray that God, by his spirit, would unite us in a special way. Um, You could close a church building, but you can never close the church because we are God's people as we gather and as we scatter. So we will be and act as God's people. Um, This Sunday, we're gathered here. This may be, um, we may not be able to do that uh, moving forward. If, uh, If there are any changes to our rhythms and ministries, we will Communicate, to them, communicate them to you this week on our website, social media, emails, all of our normal channels of communication. Tomorrow will be the first day of uh, Andover schools uh, and other, some other surrounding communities that are closing schools. Uh, so Monday would be the first day off school. Boston schools are closing on Tuesday. Um, so as the town is working together in a way to uh, sort of isolate and slow things down, uh, we uh, may seek to join in, in certain ways in that. Um, as Christians, one thing that we know in our faith is that we, we don't always exercise the rights that we have. We sometimes, out of love and loving deference, which we've talked about in the sermon series, we don't exercise our rights. And uh, we do that um, because that's what Jesus did. He had all the authority in the world and he chose not to exercise his authority to his own advantage, but he made himself uh, a servant even to death on a cross for us. And that is our pattern of life. So uh, if we don't gather here, we'll do everything we can to stay connected and and perhaps to live stream or somehow um, quickly post uh, some worship and our our messages to stay connected in these ways. Um, And if if, if that's how you end up worshiping in in, um, in the future, remember that a big part of our community has to worship that way every single week. Um, our, we have many shut-ins and people in nursing homes. They are very much a part of this church as you or I, uh, or you or me are. And, um, and they, for health reasons or for transportation or for other limitations, they can't be here on any given week. But they keep uh, up and they pray and they are part of this spiritual family. So, um, so hey, crazy week for our community and for the world. Crazy week for me personally. Last week, if you were here, I mentioned that uh, my son had been hospitalized, so he had an infection in his hip socket and he had a, a surgery that was very successful and he had a recovery that's going very well. He was di- he's five nights in the hospital. He's discharged. You'll see him bopping around on his crutches here. He's here today. He's happy. He's um, really healthy. He's all cranked up on all kinds of antibiotics. and So he's, uh, he's good. He's, uh, thank you for your prayer and your support and your encouragement and just remembering that in the midst of everything, there's um, everything else. So let's, let's pray as we approach God's word together. Father, as we look into your word, it is, I am convinced more than ever that it is living and active and powerful and that you're using it. Uh, to shape us and to show us your heart, to show us our own hearts too, Lord, where you are refining us and calling us to be more like Jesus and extending your grace to us and the power of your Holy Spirit that we can actually live it. May it be so in this time, Lord. Be our teacher. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. Amen. Uh, There's those times when we know that God is, is greater than we are and there's we know that he knows better than us, but there's those times where we're really reminded of how true that is. And this week I had that moment. You know, we've been working through 1 Corinthians, and we're just taking these texts as they come. There's some 
have been some very difficult topics that we've talked about. And weeks and weeks ago, we laid out these, I laid out these texts and these sermons, and we were going to kind of preach them in a certain order. And I was calling this message healthy singleness. So last week, we talked about marriage and divorce. And this week, uh, we're talking, we was planning on talking about singleness. But as I reflect on this passage, I think a better title might be How to Live the Cross-Shaped Life in the Midst of a Crisis. We're in a crisis right now. Schools are impacted, families, people's jobs, people's investments, and uh, people's very health is is in jeopardy in in different ways. And people don't agree. There's uh, too much response, not enough response. And very few people are saying, everything seems like it's... All things considered, is going really well. You know, it, there's a lot of uh, strong um, opinions about this because the stakes are very high. So this certainly a crisis. And the backdrop of this passage of scripture is a crisis. Look at verse 26. Because of the present crisis, I think that it's good for a man not to. I think it's good for a man to remain as he is. Uh, you know, this is the Apostle Paul. He's writing to a church that he planted in the city of Corinth. And he's responding to questions that they had asked him. And so they had exchanged letters and he said, okay, about the things you wrote about, here's my, you know, here's, here's what I have to say to you. And in this particular passage, this church, they had all these questions. They really, a lot of their questions were about sex and about marriage and about singleness. And, and Paul is responding. He's saying, okay, there's, there's an appropriate way to respond to these things. But right here in this passage, you almost get a sense of frustration even with their questions. That somehow he's, okay, I'm going to give you proper ways that Christians can trust Christ in these different situations of being married or being single, but there's more at stake here. Perhaps, church, that you're not focused on the right things he's saying. And he said, look, we're in a crisis and time is short. So how do we live as followers of Jesus, how do we follow the way of the cross in the midst of a crisis? What is our posture as Christians in terms of crisis? Look at verse 29 here. He says, What I mean, brothers and sisters, is that the time is short. From now on, those who have wives should live as if, as if they don't, those who mourn as if they do not, those who are happy as if they were not, the, those who buy something as if it were not theirs to keep, those who use the things of this world as if not engrossed in them. For this world in its present form is passing away. They were in the middle of a crisis. So the question for us, okay, backing up to the first century when this was written, what was the crisis? Well, we, we actually don't know what the crisis Paul is talking about. There was a severe famine just before the writing of this letter in about AD 51. There was a big famine and there could be a crisis, a shortage of resources for people and Paul reminding them that they were in a serious situation. That could be it. Other people think perhaps this is about Christian persecution. So uh, Nero, the emperor, is, is, has just come to power, or just coming to power, and there was severe persecution against Christians. Paul himself would be killed under the reign of Nero just a number of years after this was written. And this was becoming severe. It was a dire situation for followers of Jesus in the first century. That could be it. 
Perhaps he's talking about the second coming of Jesus Christ, that Paul felt, you know what, Jesus said that he's going to come back at a date and a time that we don't know. And we all, there's an urgency to life that Christ's return is imminent and we need to live in such a way. Uh, that you know, But he also talks about things that would be kind of unimportant if he thought Jesus was coming, you know, right, you know, that, you know, the next, within a matter of days. He talks about his future travel plans. He talks about you know, ongoing ways that they're going to live together. So there's an urgency, but there's also life goes on. So regardless of what the specific crisis is in view here, he's saying there is an urgency to life that we need to be living while we consider some of these other issues. I mean, we, the, the major consideration is you've got right, you to have your priorities right. Verse 26, because of the present crisis, I think it's good for a man to remain as he is. This is how this ties to singleness, which is what I thought we were going to talk about today. But he's, he, he's saying in a time of crisis, it's easy to make a rash decision. It's easy to overreact. It's easy to panic. It's also easy to underreact. It's easy to be crippled and paralyzed in fear. And that a major life decision may not be the one that you want to make during this crisis. And by crisis, it it inherently is temporary. Otherwise, it would be a chronic condition. They were in a crisis condition. And in the context here, he said, it's okay to be single. But if you get married, it's okay to be married. Both are okay. Actually, there's advantages to being single that he points out here. But both are okay, but you know, maybe just kind of during this time to, to, to stay, not make these big decisions, make sure that you get the most important things as the right priority. But secondly, remember that there is urgency. Verse 31, the world in its present form is passing away. There is, there is sort of the imminence of Christ's return. There is um, an urgency to all of life. Jesus, he taught, be ready. For these things. It's so easy to get lulled into a day-to-day, hey, life's going to go on. I'm going to make my plans. I'm going to go to work. I'm going to raise my family. And I'm just going to do one, in, in one foot in front of the other. And then these things happen in our world and happen in their world that really stop us in our tracks to say, whoa, I'm, you know, I think everything's peaceful and safe. And I realize actually, no, things may not always be just peaceful and safe. That life is indeed fragile. We confessed this together as a community a few weeks ago on Ash Wednesday. We gathered together and we put ashes on our bodies, on our hands, and on our foreheads to say, you know what? I'm dust. I am going to die. God created me from dust and I'm going to return to dust. That it's only by his grace that I have life and that I hold together. I could die and I might live a long life, but I could be in an accident. I could die of a disease. I could die of violence of war. I could be exposed to a hazardous material. There's all kinds of things that threaten our lives and that we realize, listen, this day in, day out thing, your life is so fragile at any point. Time is short. Verse 29, time is short. But what an amazing opportunity to practice faith. What an amazing opportunity to trust God, to uh, an opportunity for the good news of Jesus, an opportunity to minister to others because God has given you life today and we can use it for his glory. And there's four specific instructions here. I'm going to run right through these that he gives. This is how you live a cross-shaped life in the midst of crisis. Verse 29 says, from now on, those who have wives should live as if they do not. 
Don't get this wrong, okay? I understand there's inherent... um, This is what's going on here. He's saying, look, your primary relationship in life is your relationship to the God who created you. And that is the most important thing. And you need to live as if that were true. It's not your spouse. It's not your children. It's not your best friends. It's your relationship to God. Am I right with God? Do I have peace with God? And in a time of crisis, he says, you need to know for sure that you have peace with God. So in the time of crisis, you can operate out of faith. The opposite of faith is not unbelief. The opposite of faith is fear. So in the time of crisis, you can have faith in God who is primary on the throne of your life, or you can be afraid. And trust maybe in your family or in those who are close to you. And what a beautiful opportunity for us because so many people are afraid. So many of us are afraid to say, God, I'm going to trust you through this. And to share that same faith with the world around us that needs peace with God because they know that we all know that life is fragile, that any one of us could get sick and die, or any one of us could be harmed. That we can be right with God because Jesus Christ has made peace for us, that he gave his life on the cross that all of our sin can be forgiven, that we can be in a right relationship with God and that be our primary relationship. That's the first instruction. Second instruction, that from this point, those who mourn should behave as if they did not, those who are happy as if they were not. The point here is that the focus is not on yourself. What makes me happy, what makes me sad, but that the, your focus can be on others. The Apostle Paul, elsewhere, he wrote, he said, this is your posture as a Christian. You're going to rejoice with those who rejoice, and you're going to mourn with those who mourn. That your, it's, it's not about your emotions, your happiness, your fear, your sadness. It's about others and walking with them through their emotions. How do you serve others? How do you walk with others in their moment of need during a time of crisis? And for us, this is, a, this is a big question. How do we serve our world in this crisis? There are people in desperate need, and how do we serve them? We think about our ministry of our church and serving uh, people, serving food to people who are hungry, We're working with Lazarus House and, and places like that. It's not about us and our safety and what we need, but what do they need? What do you need? And we are, and people will say, you know what? There's all these um, groups, corporate groups who say, actually our policy now at work is that we're not allowed to serve in these places. They're asking us not to do that. So there's less and less people to serve. And people will say, well, the church needs to step up. We need to go to those places, even though it's dangerous, even though there's risk, we need to, we need to feed these people. We need to serve these people. Others say, actually, no, that's not the right posture. We need to step back right now because if we go into those places and we're contaminating and spreading things and there's only so much medicine and only so many hospital beds, you, people are making the case on both sides. What we're doing as a church is listening to these organizations to say, what do you need right now? And some say, like our breakfast ministries, they said, you know what, we're not going to serve in that way right now. Uh, we actually, we're going to find other ways to feed breakfast in these shelters, and we, your group should, can and should take a step back at this point. And then yesterday, uh, at Corunum, they were continuing to serve, and they said, hey, yeah, actually, we do need people to come and to serve and to share these meals. And we're, we're um, listening 
And we are seeking not what's best for us, but what is going to be um, a blessing to our, what is God calling us to do for our town so, and, and, for, and for those in need. This Friday was uh, the, the senior link, man, this probably the, the senior adult ministries is going to take a break from their regular meeting and their gathered ministry. But they met on Friday in their very last act together. The senior adults of this church was to pack over 100 lunches, sandwiches, bagged lunches for the soup truck to go and feed our homeless neighbors this weekend. That's how they chose to use their time together and to serve together. In a time of crisis, we take our eyes off ourselves, our joys, our sorrows, our fears, and we experience the freedom of focusing on others and serving them. Thirdly, verse 30. Those who buy something as if it were not theirs to keep. That's how you live in the time of a crisis. So can we talk about stockpiling? So, you know, people, and I heard people say, you know, I got out there before everybody else. I knew two weeks ago and I stuffed my cart full of, you know, everything. And so, well, that's fine because you have the money to do that. You can afford to buy a week or a month or a year's worth of groceries. You own two freezers. You could freeze meat for the next however long. Many people can't. Many people are paycheck to paycheck, week to week on their groceries. And they go, and the resources were not there for them. And they had to scramble, and they did not. You know, and, um, and again, it's good to be prepared. It you know, to keep a supply of things in your home is, is good. But remembering that actually our posture is those things that I bought really, I'm going to look at them as if they're not really mine to keep. I'm not going to, this isn't a time where I'm going to hoard, but see how I can be a blessing to others. Um, and can we talk about toilet paper, please? <laughs> Why the toilet paper? And this great research, they actually talked to a psychologist article on uh, Boston.com this weekend. Fascinating. It's all about zero risk bias. Let me read the verse first. Verse 31, those who use the things of this world as if not engrossed in them. Toilet paper. (laughs) Quote, when faced with an uncertain situation, people feel better if they can eliminate one risk. Bulk buying toilet paper eliminates the small risk of running out if quarantined. People might not be able to eliminate the risk of catching a disease, but they can eliminate the risk of running out of toilet paper, which makes most people feel that they have some control in a very uncertain situation. It's all about trying to control a world that you cannot control. You can't stop diseases. You can't control the forces of this world. Yes, there's things we can do to help one another, to take good precautions, to... um, But it's... We cannot control the world. But we do things that make us think that we can, at least in a small way. That's where our faith comes in, to say, we trust a God who is absolutely in control of everything. God is not surprised by epidemics and pandemics. God is in control. It is so easy to get engrossed with the things of the world, even information, People are trying to control this by filling up with information. So like, check in the news. Every, I need to check, need to check, need to check. I need to read this. I need to, I'm all over my social media feed and all the news sites. And just, if I know enough, then somehow I will be able to 
you know, overcome all the information in the world. You can't control the world just by having the information. God is in control. God's got this, as we say to each other. We're his people, and we're called according to his purpose, and we can live a way of life and faith to follow him, even in the midst of crisis. Let us pray. Father, um, we, we believe this. We pray that we would ask the right questions right now, how we might keep our relationship with you number one and primary and have peace with you and share that with others. May we be focused on others, Lord. May we not be trusting in our possessions or anything or any resource, Lord, but that we would trust you and share what we have to be a blessing to others, Lord. Be glorified in this. Give us deep wisdom for decisions that need to be made, for actions that need to be taken, Lord. Uh, we, We trust you. We pray that it would glorify you. We pray that even in a season of struggle and of illness, Lord, that your kingdom would advance and that many would come to trust you. Many would see how desperate uh, we are for you, Lord. And that many would put faith in you and know your saving power and your abiding presence. To you be the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.